This is Good Cover Wrestling. Welcome back to another edition of GKW. I'm Gabe Knudsen from ESPN Milwaukee. Off this week is our pal Brian Rowitz from ESPN West Palm. But with us, as always, catch him ESPN 1000 in Chicago. He is Jonathan Hood. Um, so when we take a look right now, what's going on in the world of professional wrestling, obviously we are building towards a couple of different pay-per-views. It's, it's been a quiet early part of the month here in June, but we're building towards Forbidden Door, which um, I, we will get to in a little bit. And we're also building towards uh, Money in the Bank in the UK in early July. And both of us, I think, really enjoyed the, the main shows. Raw was pretty good on Monday. I think yesterday was pretty good yep. for Dynamite and AEW. The question we're going to start with today, Jay Hood, is who's booking better right now? Is it Tony Khan over at AEW or is it Hunter at WWE? Well, first of all, I'm dressed as a talent uh, that's ready to go to sleep, and you are dressed for the WWE Network, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I've got I've got a championship belt that I'm going to be unveiling here soon, you know, another new championship belt. So I figured, you know, throw the collar on and... You, you try look to look like, the best we can. You look like staff. Like, uh, <laughs> like you're doing the booking, and I'm just a schlub <laughs> in the back by catering. That's pretty much me. But you, you know what? Here's what I'm looking at, Gabe. You know what a wrestling war looks like? It looks like what we're seeing right now. It's not like they're head-to-head and they're battling like it was in the uh, Monday Night era, the Monday Night Wars with uh, Raw and Nitro. But this is what it looks like because you can see that both companies are raising the bar, and I love it. You mentioned Raw uh, taking place in Kansas and then watching Dynamite in Washington, D.C. Both shows are, are pretty hot uh, where it becomes must. Here's how you know it becomes must see. Right. It's like, OK, let me see what's going on with both of these shows. So we know that the number one storyline in wrestling is the bloodline and mm-hmm. there's different tentacles to that. So you're not beating the bloodline. But from there, Dominic Mysterio and Mommy and Ray and Rhea Ripley have been very interesting, along with the Judgment Day. We always mention uh, Dom, but the Judgment Day, all four characters have something going on, along with Seth Rollins, Cody Rhodes and his title uh, chase, LA Knight's getting hot. So there's some interesting things going on in WWE. I want to say this about Tony Khan and AEW. I think Tony has learned some lessons from last year because AEW is not as hot right now, I feel, as they were coming out of last year's Double or Nothing in Vegas. And... uh, I mentioned this at the time. I feel like I've been preaching it now for the last year plus. They kind of fell off because, oh man, after Double or Nothing, now we've got this forbidden door. It's the first time we've done this. And and all the momentum that they had for their internal storylines, they kind of threw that to the side and it cooled off some of the talent that they had so they could build towards forbidden door. What what we're seeing right now in AEW is, I mean, you're building towards multiple things to be, first of all, you're building towards... Collision on Saturday night, which we've got a very good interview that we enjoyed that we did with Miro coming up here in just a matter of moments. Um, But you've got building towards collision on Saturday. Then you also have Forbidden Door. But you're just sprinkling in some of the Forbidden Door stuff. It's not just Forbidden Door, Forbidden Door, Forbidden Door. You have other stories that you're telling outside of that. But then you're able to sprinkle in, oh, by the way, yes, we are going to get that dream match between Okada and Brian Danielson. Oh, yeah, by the way, we're going to do Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay. And then Ospreay shows up at the end last night, which is awesome. Oh, we're going to throw out there a Tanahashi challenge to MJF that MJF is going to turn down right after he just went through a grueling match, which I I was critical of last week. I got to give credit where credit is due. I, I thought last night's opener was fantastic on, on dynamite. I thought that it was going to end up being a count out some way. I thought they were going to somehow get Adam Cole, the victory. They didn't, they did a time limit draw, which they did a couple of early in Brian Danielson's tenure, he had a couple of those draws and it's been a way you don't think about draws in terms of time limit draws in professional wrestling because WWE doesn't use that. It was very well used last night by AEW giving you excitement, thinking that Adam Cole was going to get the win only to ring that bell right before the three counts. Um, It was surprising. I thought it was the great way to go. Great way to continue that storyline. So I, I thought Tony Khan did tremendous last night, but as you mentioned, like triple H, has made the he's he's heated the bloodline back up. 
He's heated up the bloodline in a way where uh, um, Roman didn't need to be around on SmackDown to make it interesting for Jay to be wrestling for the U.S. title, to make it interesting on Monday night. Refreshing the the women's championships, I think, is the right call because that was just kind of confusing, having the Raw title on SmackDown, the SmackDown title on Raw. Yeah. Making it, to me, that just elevates it as well because now you have a women's world champion. You have a WWE women's champion. Like it just it I don't know. It, it to me it elevates it to the same level as the men's titles. And I think that's what Hunter was trying to do. They're both doing a good job of juggling a lot of things right now and telling a lot of stories. And that's what made this week, especially the main shows of Dynamite and Raw, so interesting. So so here's the point, the salient point that you make. There is Tony Khan learning. Again, when you are a neophyte booker, you're going to make some mistakes. When you are a fan of wrestling and you own a company, you go, I'm just going to bring all the talent. It's an arms race, as we can tell, right? There's a mm-hmm. lot of great talent that don't get a chance to get on television. But I think that the Forbidden Door we saw before was – hey, I can get all this talent from New Japan because everyone knows all this talent from New Japan, right? Right? No, we don't know all the talent from New Japan. Here's the difference between the uh, AEW and the WWE. And Bruce Pritchard talks about this all the time. He says that WWE fans only care about WWE for the most part. They may know about AEW, but they're really focused in on all the storylines, hyper-focused on everything from merch to... Um, to live events, to the major shows on Peacock, they're WWE diehards. They're they're focused on their team. Whereas AEW in the past would say, oh, we're bringing on this talent in and they're going to do run-ins. And so it kept the audience kind of flat-footed, I think, for AEW because it's like, yeah, I'm a wrestling fan. I kind of know who that guy is, but why is this important to me? So here's why your point is, is well made. So we get a chance to get Adam Cole and MJF. That's got nothing to do with Forbidden Door. When we get the main event with BCC uh, and the uh, Young Bucks and Page, it has nothing to do with Forbidden Door. So I think that having that mixture, the best part, one of the best parts of the show is the little vignettes, the little interviews they did with some of the New Japan audience. It just put a little sprinkle in and say, hey, look forward to this talent taking on this talent at Forbidden Door. Don't overwhelm the audience with a whole bunch of people that maybe the AEW audience doesn't know. That's learning as a booker to know to mix it up and have both. Forbidden Door is for the diehard of diehard wrestling fans. Like you're going to, some of these matches are going to have stories behind them, the way that they have with Omega and Osprey, and we all assume there's going to be a third one when they do All In in the UK later this summer. But there's really not much of a story for Brian Danielson and Okada. Like there's not much of a story there, but it's a dream matchup that Okada's a known enough name. Not necessarily for AEW fans, but if you're a diehard fan, you just know Okada Danielson. Yep, I want to see that. This is not a storytelling pay-per-view. This is just a pay-per-view to put on some cool matchups that you don't typically get to see because it's two guy, you know, two, it's going to be two guys from different companies going to head to head. And being able to then continue some of the momentum that you have within your own company and go, yeah, I understand what this is. And there are enough diehard fans that are going to buy this. It probably won't be as popular as all in or all out. Doesn't matter. We're still going to be able to make money off this thing up in Toronto. We're going to put on a good show in terms of the matches and just kind of understanding that that that's all that pay-per-view needs to be. Again, that's growth. But again, when you only have four pay-per-views a year and everything is just so important that you build up to them, I can understand how you make that mistake the first time through. Like WWE, because they have typically one premium live event per month, Mm -hmm. they, you know... This this year it was different because you had Bad Bunny, but usually Backlash isn't given the same kind of weight as you know one of their you know big four, big five pay per views. But yeah. when you have Bad Bunny in Puerto Rico, that ends up being a bad example. But when when you have one of these other you know pay per views, it, it just doesn't you know vengeance or you know th- th- those just don't matter as much. The Elimination Chamber these aren't as important as WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Royal Rumble. So you, you kind of learn how to build up to these different events. And I think that's what's happened with, T, with, with Tony Khan. Triple H, meanwhile, I, I'm a sucker for the elimination match, the, the, um, the money in the bank matches, qualifying matches, just because it's an easy way to get you to buy in. Oh, there are stakes on this match. This gets you into the pretty big match. And, and I think a lot of those matches have been really good. Um, but it's, just the continuing booking, I would just say, of the Judgment Day has been fantastic. A year ago today, a year ago or a year plus ago, when they turned on Edge, did you think the Judgment Day would still be going and probably be the second hottest act 
in terms of factions within the WWE? No, because I did not know that Dom would be so red hot as far as being a heel in the company. Everywhere he goes, he gets big boosts, and I didn't expect that. No. (laughs) But Rhea has ascended to being the star. And I I mean, I liked Damian Priest. Um, because of some of the work that he did previous at WrestleMania with Bad Bunny, you're going, oh, okay, like this guy's a solid rep. Like if he won the Money in the Bank briefcase, I'd be pretty excited about that. You know, like I, I think that he's kind of elevated his game as well, and we're seeing the best version I think of Finn Balor since he first came into WWE from NXT before he got hurt. Yeah, this this comes down to LA Knight or Damian Priest. And mm-hmm. again, this is and we when we asked the question about who's doing a, a, the better booking, you know, I laid out the WWE guys and again, the the Judgment Day all four characters have something including Finn Balor now based on what we saw on Monday Night Raw uh, this past Monday. But on the other side of the tracks of AEW with the Blackpool Combat Club along with the Young Bucks and Page, MJF and the title chase for MJF's championship. Orange Cassidy in that run, he's the greatest workhorse champion that we have now in 2023. There's Callus and, Ta- and um, Takashita. Yep. Takeshita. Takeshita. You have the, you have the outcasts that are hot now. Uh, even with you, I didn't think the women's division could ever get hot outside of Britt Baker. And then you see what's happening with them, right? Yeah. With Soraya and them. So Look, so. Yeah. Soraya is so over, you can just come up with, like, you can get a pop by walking out with just, like, a stick figurine. Like, they did, you know, they just had, they had Soraya on a stick, and everyone just thought that was awesome. Soraya on a stick. <laughs> so, anyway, reminds me of a video I saw once. But, you know, ah. the, the thing is, <laughs> so, you know, but, but, I, but I didn't think that, and I think that as a show, we thought Britt Baker is the best AEW has to offer. They weren't mm-hmm. booking it well. Now look what's happened. So, when we come down to it, Gabe, Triple H, or Tony Khan? It's a tough one because Oof. I can give you on the women's side for WWE, the one one of the biggest mistakes for Triple H is he has not booked the women well. When we saw um, Damage Control come out, we said, oh, here we go. The women's mm-hmm. division's got a little something besides Charlotte and, and Becky. Um, kind of simmered since then. Nothing wrong with Asuka as champion. Got no problem with that. I, and nothing wrong with what we're seeing here with um, – uh, what's going on in the WWE with Rhea Ripley? But I, you know, little little light on the women still. And then, but the AW, to their credit, I think they're booking the women well. I, I think Triple H is trying. It seems like he's making an effort to rectify that because I mean, the biggest storyline. This is probably the first time that I can remember in the last two to three years where the biggest women's storyline didn't involve a championship. Mm-hmm. Becky Becky versus. Um, um, Becky, yeah. Becky in a, in her matchup now. Keep in mind, there's two women. That's not just one. It's two, it's Trish Stratus, yes. and her count and her counterpart. Yeah. So you have Becky versus Trish. Yeah. That's the that's the number one women's storyline right now. Like that's mm-hmm. the top thing. The second the, the championships are secondary to that. But I mean, Rhea Ripley super over. Oscar's over. You you throw Charlotte back in with Bianca also wanting to chase it, it seems like you're at least he's starting to start a couple of recipes, started start to build that a little bit. And he's going to unify the NXT women's tag team championships and the WWE women's tag team championships. So you have something for Ronda Rousey to do that happened on, you know, that, that idea came about on SmackDown on Friday night. So he is at least trying to build a couple of things. I would say the best booker right now, I still lean towards triple H just because the bloodline, He's got the best one. Like I think every I, when you, when you start getting past the bloodline, it starts to be a little bit more even. But the bloodline is still number one, and he's still found a way to make it interesting. So I'm going to give the slight edge to Triple H. But I think Tony Khan, again, he's learning. I think yep. him leaning on uh, Brian Danielson. There have been reports about that where Brian Danielson's been more involved in booking decisions and booking meetings within AEW. Some of the complaints that you've had, uh, Jay Hood, have been, hey, you, you have all this talent. Why don't you start listening to some of it? And you don't have to do everything on your own. It seems like, at least from afar, that TK is starting to listen more and more to people. And maybe, the, and again, I think that's only a smart thing as he continues to grow. 
you got to start leaning on other people. You can't be booking every Wednesday, you know, three shows every Wednesday between ROH, Rampage, Dynamite, still have the show on Saturday, still have Double or Not, or excuse me, Forbidden Door coming up. Like it, you're growing your company. You're going to have to start delegating some responsibilities. Yeah. So I'm going to give the slight edge of Triple H. But what I want to see is you want to test and see whether or not a booker, a booker, you know, head of creative, whatever it is, you want to see how good that person is. Try to book all this television you have it's now that you have Collision coming up on Saturdays. Let's see how you do now, because you have Rampage, who I think that as we as a show we've decided, you know they had a championship a Friday that we thought was pretty good, a mixture of talent. But otherwise, it's a sco- it's a show that I think many have skipped. And it's not just mm-hmm. us. We're just talking about when you're drawing two three hundred thousand, you got heavy DVR numbers on Saturday morning, which is good for them because against Friday night late after SmackDown. Uh, let's see how you go, how, how well you'll do now because collision and then dynamite and then rampage on top of that. And then of course, don't forget to travel too. Are we getting, uh, is Tony Khan going to have talent come in on Tuesday, be at the arena on Wednesday and just linger until Saturday to for collision. Yeah. I mean, that's a thing. And, and also on top of that, let's put this out there as well is that there is some talent where we understand in the back they're just kind of like, oh, we got shows on Saturday, some of them live. That kind of in- interferes in my indie shows and uh, mm-hmm. some of my extra money that I'd make. You just want me to sit around? Uh, am I going to be paid the same? So there's some belly aching about that a little bit from AEW talent, from what I understand. So I just think it's all fun. I just, I'm glad that we have, have at least two strong companies along with others that are raising the bar. Well, one of those companies, as you mentioned, AEW. And to start our three count, the other top three stories that we want to talk about, uh, we had an opportunity earlier this week to catch up with the Redeemer himself, Miro. Here's our conversation as Miro gets ready for his re-debut in AEW with Collision on Saturday night. KW, I know pro wrestling fans are excited to see him back on our televisions coming up this Saturday live from the United Center in Chicago. He is none other. And the former TNT champion, he is Miro. Miro, thank you so much for the time, man, and jumping on with us on GKW. Of course. Thank you for having me. I love talking to you guys. Uh, so the pro wrestling fans, I think, are excited to see you. How excited are you to be back inside a pro wrestling ring on Saturday? Very excited. I've been aching for a long time. The Redeemer's been in the desert looking for answers. Maybe finding them, maybe not. We'll yet to find out this Saturday. But I'm very excited to be around the wrestling community and the you know just the fans man i've never been to united center never wrestled there and the people in chicago are unbelievable so i'm really looking forward to it Miro, how difficult was it for you to have that time off you know fans have been looking for you they, they love you and your character so what was that like just being off and being away uh it sucks it sucks uh you know just like i said looking for answers and not getting any it's 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 not a good place and not just me but just overall as a human being when you have no answers to all these questions it just eats you inside and i had quite a long time to eat myself and even though i'm still 260 pounds i ate quite a bit uh, but i'm aching i'm aching to come back and and to find out what's going on what's happening it's been a while what did you miss the most during your time away? The fans, always the fans, always the fans. That there's just nothing like the professional wrestling fans. That that instant connection that you have with them as soon as you, not even walk out, as soon as the music hit, when you hear the show far, you hear the people just rising, their roar, man. That's what I miss. I miss performing in front of them because they deserve the redeemer, and I and I deserve them. <laughs> I was able to get some Miro, and I get, was able to get them on East New York on CBS. And I saw you, and I've been watching that show ever since, by the way, because I'm thinking, ah, I'm not getting Miro on the ring, but I'm getting him as a recurring character. <laughs> and then they shot you, man. They killed you. <laughs> oh, no point, <laughs> man. Spoiler alert, man. man. Spoiler oh, alert, Jay Hood. No, 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 it's early enough. People, <laughs> people figure it out. So I turned to my wife. I go, they just killed Miro. She goes, who? I go, they just they killed my redeemer. Yeah. So, like, so what was that experience like working with Richard Kind in ES in uh, East New York? It was great. It was so good. I just it was such a great opportunity because it was such a big big show and it's it's a you know the pilot episode we got four million views or whatnot and all these uh, guys who've been acting forever you know just to give me the time of day to talk to them to pick their brains and 
you know, all the producers, the directors, everybody was so great. I just loved that experience. But, you know, it wasn't that long, but I just cherished every single moment. And it got me to live in Brooklyn, you know, for a couple of weeks, which I previously hated, New York. But being there for a couple of weeks, spending, living there like a local Brooklynier will, uh, I really had a good time. I really had fun times. For those watching um, online, they can see it does say indeed Miro the Redeemer. So is that who we ex can expect to see back on Saturday is the Redeemer? Or are there going to be tweaks to what the Redeemer is? Are those some of the answers maybe you found? The answers are I've been looking for, I haven't found. But what I've done, what we've done in AW, it's it's I would say it's the longest story story that we've had since the beginning, the, the arc of the character. Like I said, we started with the gamer and then he had to snap. He had to, you know, destroy his best friend because he thought he was sabotaging him to finally peek further and further, finally to find God on his side and run with that. And then after that was done, you know, when the title got taken away, then I became from God's favorite champion to uh, God's forsaken champion. You know, it's always an arc. It's always an arc, but Redeemer is always there. And I don't think that anybody in the whole company can say about this continuous growth of a character like I have. But that's what I love about the professional wrestling. I love the storytelling. It's not just about two people in the ring swinging around. I think I love the storytelling of the business, and that's what I, I tend to do once I come back as the Redeemer. Miro, I think in all walks of life, we have to have allies or mentors or people that are on your side. Who are some of your closest friends in the business that get you through the good and the bad? Man, <laughs> uh, I would say Seamus probably. Seamus, he's a good, you know, he's a great friend of mine. He's like a brother. Um, we live together in Nashville. So, you know, I spend a lot of time with him whenever I can. If I can't see him, we always talk. Uh, but also this kid who just Toa Leona, he just started recently uh, in AEW. He's a guy who was hungry, who came and asked me for for advice and for help. And uh, that was maybe a couple of years ago. And ever since, like, we've kind of been training together in the gym, in the ring. And I'm trying to show him, you know, share my experience with him. And he's become like a really, really, really good friend of mine, as well as somebody that I can, you know, give some knowledge if he wants to listen. And he does. So now that Miro the Redeemer is coming back again Saturday, it's going to be a part of Collision on TNT, the new show AEW is launching. Who are some of the stories, you know, what, what are some of the stories you want to tell? Who are some of the people you want to tell stories with now that you're going to be back? I, I really don't care. I don't have that pool. I just show up. I beat people, whatever they tell me. I, I write my promos. I deliver my promos and everything else is up to him, to the man who sit on top of that chair. I don't have no I'm not that guy that, oh, I want to work with this guy or with this guy or with that guy. No, man, just give me your best. I'll take them all. Um, with that being said, like I said, it's all about the story. It's not, it's not just about who you're fighting. It's about the story, how you get there. Let's get there in a way that people are going to be intrigued by it. And, and, that, and let's have a, a good match after. But I'm interested in the storytelling as well. Miro, um, you know, we haven't been able to talk to a lot of people about how difficult it was to wrestle in during the pandemic. Uh, you made your debut in, during that time in AEW. So what was that like going through that? Again, very few fans or no fans, and you had to still be able to project and, and put your character out there. What was that like for you? Man, it was it was very interesting time um, because I have never wrestled in front of nobody since WWE developmental days. <laughs> you know, we had like 50 people in the audience, not getting, you know, and it was so weird because when I got released from WWE, you know, we still had the 20,000, 30,000, 50,000 people. I Saudi Arabia, 60,000 and all that. So it was interesting, but but it's a challenge. It was a challenge for everybody, not just for me. But once you know who you are and know how to turn it on, it doesn't matter if it's one or one million people out there. You gotta you gotta be sure of who you are and not and not just fall under pressure because there's a lot of pressure where there's nobody there. You know, as professional wrestlers, we're used to get in the Eastern or boo or whatever. But when there's nobody there, you just got to trust that what you're doing is good. And I always knew that my, my I was going to say a bad word, my stuff is the best. <laughs> so I have no doubt in myself. So therefore, personally, it did not bother me. 
even though I love the fans. Of course, we all wanted to see the fans. But, hey, we went through it, and now we're back in the full arenas. I understand maybe you, this might be a tough question to answer, but what is it about the characters, whether it's been the gamer, whether it's been the redeemer, I just feel that fans have always been drawn to you. Is that what kind of allowed you to give some of that confidence that you were just talking about during the pandemic when no one's there? Because again, I feel whatever character you've put out there has, has been attractive to fans and they've been drawn to it. Oh, it's about committing. It's about committing to a character and not half-assing it. Because once you half-ass it, these people can tell right away they were truly out for it. And I've, I've always prided myself not with the greatest Dave Meltzer six-star matches and all that kind of like irrelevant stuff. I always pride myself with a crowd reaction and the connection, like you said, with the people. And that's always going to be my number one goal, to connect with the fans, give the reaction that I want to receive, and then go by that. And I know I'm the best at that because I don't just put my stuff together, just A, B, C, D, E, F, whatever it is. I want to be out there. I want to feel what these people want to see. And that's something that I learned from Cena. You know, just it's not about a match. It's about who is out there, who's watching, what are you hearing? Are you, is it low? Is it high? That's the things that I learned, you know, wrestling John Cena, you know, 300 days, uh, which some of these people don't even have that many matches. I've wrestled this man for years and years. And he's just one of my teachers and mentors. I can name all these other Hall of Famers that taught me. It's not just about the match. It's about the connection. So uh, do you get a chance to pick your music? And the reason why I ask is because last time you were in Chicagoland at the Sears Center, as soon as that first chord hits, people know it's you, and people just then the people just stood up and they applauded and they cheered. What's that, what's that process like with the music? Well, I had that. Sorry, somebody's ringing <laughs> Um, uh, I had the vision, man. Once the character was coming together, the Redeemer, and I knew, because the Redeemer is who I am. It's not just a fake character. I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. I think he brought me everything I have. So it's my duty to serve him and show the people that God is real. And once everything was starting to come together, you know, the I'm the best, I'm the best, man. Music did not work. You know, it worked for the previous guy, but not now. And I had a vision for this for this new song and I got together uh, with the music department and I, I knew what I wanted. I knew I wanted the show far to start. I wanted some, some drums. I wanted some battle rhythms. I wanted all that. I wanted to feel that we're going to war with God on our side. And that's how everything came together. We, he sent me one thing. I said, no, let's switch this with this and this with this. And we started like cutting it down and narrowing it down. And what you hear now, it's the final process, the final product. And I, I love my music, man. You know, before I love my Rusev music when I first started, but this is on a whole nother level. I think it's it, it suits me so well. And we've put in work, you know, not just me, but the music department as well. And, and I thought it came out brilliantly. What are some of the other, you, you mentioned how much you love the storytelling aspect of what you do. What are some of the stories from the past um, that maybe you've drawn from to, to try to apply to modern day professional wrestling? I don't, I don't draw from the past stories. You know, what happened in the past, they in the past. Like, like people saying, oh, you should do the, the Rusev Day thing or the Miro Day. It's like, no, I don't, it, as much as that worked, it was great for that time, but I don't like doing the, the same gig twice. And, and we had, yeah, as far as stories, it's, it's all about just searching within when yourself. And it's not just even stories in wrestling. You can get stories from movies, from animation, from whatever it is. You can get stories. And it's not just the the story just by itself. It's just you have to take, you know, what is the good guy's motif? What is the bad guy? What is the what is the in between? What is the what is the, all these details? That's what I like telling. It's I like getting nothing and building it and just creating something and letting it unfold. And once you see that people love it too, it's like, man, like you have some kind of a verification. And that's why I was so excited about storytelling. I wrote a movie as well, based on kind of a wrestling situation. It's just because when you have that creativity, you just want to lay it out somewhere. What is going to be in the ring, in the paper, in the ring, in the music, whatever it is. When you're creative, you have to be, you have to stay creative. You have to get these juices, keep flowing and flowing because otherwise you get dumb. Hey, that's true. You remember that game? You get dumb if you don't move around and you don't do stuff, right? Gotta yeah, be creative. Man. You gotta you gotta keep them brain circuit. Now I'm I'm signed up for these brain classes, you know, just to 
keep developing my brain and and I don't want to get no Alzheimer's and I don't want to get all these things. I want to get smarter. I want to keep expanding my my brain and expanding my capacity, you know, creating these new neurons and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it's all exciting process. How wait, what's that course like that those brain classes? What was that detail? How do you take a brain class? Man, so back in the day when we shot Toro Divas, we went yeah. to this place. It was called uh, what was it called? I forgot. But anyways, we did the test, like a baseline, short-term memory, long-term memory, uh, logistics, blah blah, everything and anything. And then they give you the result. And I was bottom on everything. I was like, <laughs> this is not good. <laughs> And but that was a few years ago, and I kind of you know you're busy, we travel, but now that I have a little more time, I'll say, hey, maybe I should revisit that. And I signed up, um, and it's it's a private class, it's a one-on-one on Zoom, it's an hour and a half, three days, three days a week, and you do these tasks, these math equations, these uh reaction time, like these arrows that you gotta what's pointing where and what you gotta close your eyes to some things open and see what's happening, close again. And all of this is just to help, like I said, the short-term memory, long-term memory, uh, speed reaction of your brain, creativity, and all that kind of stuff. And there's probably 20 or 30 different exercises that we do on a weekly basis that we split like in, in, in different amounts of time, like math without using, without using no paper. You got to calculate everything in here. There's like, they say 25 plus 35, you got to give the answer. Then they give you a new number. You got to remember the second one, throw away the first one. And then it goes and goes and goes and goes. It's it's so many things, man. But I highly recommend it for people that they have. And, you know, it's going to cost you a little bit of money. But I feel like, you know, overall, it's just I keep investing in myself. Could Seamus pass that class? Oh, absolutely not. Let's <laughs> <laughs> not kill ourselves. <laughs> He's taking way more bumps than I have. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Miro, I, I feel like we have to ask. We're 15 minutes in because not only is it your big return coming up on Saturday, but CM Punk also returning to an AEW ring on Saturday. What is your relationship like? What has it been like with CM Punk? I, I get along with him fine. I think every time we talk, I feel like we have a mutual respect. Um. Yeah, so I've never had anything bad like engage engage with him, but you know, you everybody hears a whole bunch of things. But man, everybody's if you're not happy with something, you know, just do whatever you want to do and then go cry in your mansion. You know, it, like I don't understand all the lashing out, but everybody's responsible for their own action. Like I said, I get along with him good. We've talked. We have great inter- great interactions, even though we had two or three of them. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't care. It's not, I look at myself. I don't look at other people's plate. That's what the Bible taught me. You know, don't look at other people's plates, look at you and, you know, take care of yourself and everybody else. Just all you can do is just pray for them and whatever happens, happens. So the, the company is growing as we know, cause we're talking about AW collision every Saturday now, uh, on Warner media. So it's dynamite it's rampage. And now, um, the show collision, what do you think of the state of the company right now? Well, it must be good. We have a third show. <laughs> <laughs> it must be really good because, like, I don't think the Warner Brothers would have given us a third show if we sucked. So I feel like there's a high demand on the show. Whether you know the ratings, everybody's so crazy about his ratings, man. It's so annoying that it's unbelievable. But I guess today's game, it's about these numbers and ratings. But I guess we're doing well. They're giving us this Saturday show that it's live. And it's the first live Saturday show in 20-some years. So we must be doing something right. And I'm excited to be on it, to be honest. I would rather be on Collision than on Dynamite or, or, or uh, Rampage. Why is that? Because it's new. It's fresh. Mm-hmm. People want to see new and fresh, and I already been to uh, to, Dyn- uh, to dynamite. I did what I had to do. I became champion there. I did it all, and now let's let's get the new thing, man. And if there's going to be like a roster like dedicated to each side or whatnot, I think that's exciting as well. You know, I stay in my house, you stay in yours, and when the time is right, let's connect and freaking destroy it some things. <laughs> but yeah, 
Get behind that, certainly. Uh, So just quickly then, what do you, I mean, because again, I I feel like, yes, everybody, you know, kind of focuses on those ratings. And even though I don't think anybody, A, if people knew how ratings were actually calculated, they wouldn't care as much. B, like, I, I don't know if people actually know what those numbers mean. But what do you look like? What does success look like to Miro the Redeemer? In life? Yeah. Yes. To be faithful to God, to, uh, to, to, I would say, promote his name, to say that if you stay pure to your heart, you stay clean, your soul is clean, and you keep praying that anything is possible. If a kid from Bulgaria can come, stay illegally, made his way to, to the biggest, grandest stage of them all, perform in front of 120,000 people, and it's all because of God, not because of what I've done. Without him, I was nothing. And that's what I want people to realize that there's help, there's a higher, there's a higher being, higher help that he can, that he can help anybody, but you have to ask. Miro, I certainly have enjoyed this conversation. Going to be rooting for you. Can't wait to see you Saturday night collision at the United Center down in Chicago. Yes, sir. See you all there. And again, that was Miro. I, again, I I am very, I, I love that conversation. He is very open, very honest. Told me some things that I was not aware of. Very exciting um, for, for Miro going forward. My God, man, the Redeemer. You could just tell from our conversation that he's ready, Gabe. He, he, he's ready. And But the, you kept trying to get at him to ask him, Pretty much like why you've been sitting at the crib. Yeah. <laughs> much, I mean, you tried. Like I tried, man. Like in, I, your, in your dignified way, in your journalistic way. You, well, yeah. ask, you, you gotta earn a color like this, Jay Hood. You gotta earn it, you know? Like that's big Jay Journo over here. <laughs> Without being a complete mark, you didn't say like, Abe, you've been off. Why? How come they haven't been using you? Why is that like you're pretty much we're very dignified and asking him, like, you know, what is this redeemer redeeming character? What do you so you know, you can tell that there's some frustration as he told us. There's a lot of things we didn't know. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hoping everyone enjoyed that conversation. So, but I'm excited about Miro on Saturday uh, because he's one of our guys now. Miro. Yes. One of our guys. Fa- friend of a, a friend of GKW, that is for sure. Number two on the three count, we head back to the WWE, Jay Hood, because something happened on Raw I don't know if I've ever seen before. Um, the way that the crowd just completely took over the promo battle between Seth Rollins and Finn Balor. And right now, I don't know if there's anyone connecting with the audience quite like Seth Rollins. Like, who else would you put on that level? Because the crowd continuously singing Seth's song, it clearly messed with Finn. Like I, that segment ended up being a little off. I think if you, if you just listen or, or write down the words and read the words that Finn Balor said, I think they have some meaning, but I think it just all kind of got lost in how distracted he ended up getting with everybody singing Seth Rollins' song. Okay. So I watched this, and I'm going to tell you something, Gabe. Um, Seth messed up. He messed up. And, oh. and here's why. For, before we even get there, shout out to that C-Town they were in Kansas because Kansas is not a wrestling hotbed of any sort at any time, right? Never. Yep. But they go and out of all cities, it was in that one in Kansas, and they were just with it, just singing the song. Oh, and so I think that Seth should have stopped them because it rattled Finn Balor. Mm-hmm. Now he could have just talked through it, but here's what's in the back of their minds, and it's an edict from the WWE: when the fans get involved, don't say anything. It's all it's been like that since the Attitude Era, and a little bit before that too. If the audience gets involved. Shut it down. Let them speak their piece, and then get back on the mic. But the audience didn't let Finn in. No, didn't let him in. But how how could he have been let in? Seth Rollins should have put his hand up, let him speak, <laughs> let him say what he wants to say. Right? He didn't do that. He just basked in the glory of the fans, and it just kept singing. That, my friend, if WWE fans are really watching, that will be the new what chant. Yep. When Seth Rollins comes out there. So, like, if a heel has something to say, Seth Rollins, I, oh, and oh. it's like, that's going to suck. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's going to be really hard for a heel to get a word in edgewise. I don't yes. know if that leads to some backstage segments. I don't know what that necessarily leads to. But Seth is so over. So, there was 
Last night here in our offices at, at GKB Milwaukee, yeah. um, our friends over at 1017 The Truth had an event. And I happened to walk in because I had some other work that I had to do downstairs in our, our studio area. And I was talking with one of our teammates upstairs and Seth Rollins and wrestling came up. A man I did not know mm-hmm. heard the name Seth Rollins and joined the conversation I was in just by chanting, Oh, like that's how over Seth Rollins is like just random conversations the, somebody just heard his name and felt the need to join and I loved it like it was fantastic like this is really cool I can't believe this just happened but that's how over Seth Rollins is right now he's just overtaking conversations that I'm having around the GKB Milwaukee offices I mean that shows you man that it, now of course that person usually buttoned up I don't watch wrestling no 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 I, I have no need for wrestling oh my god that stuff did someone say Seth Rollins? Oh, <laughs> oh, but I don't watch though. No, but my no. kids watch, but I don't watch. No, my kids—they love it. But I mean, I saw that Seth Rollins with that garish outfit. Oh my god! I mean, just. But I don't watch it though. Of course, that that person's complete denial. Oh yeah, but I mean, in terms of like Seth just getting—I'm glad Seth is getting his moment in the sun though. Like. Should he have probably shut down the crowd? Yes, I agree yeah. with you. But at the same time, like this is a dude who has been open and honest and vulnerable with us as fans about, yeah, maybe I'll just be the second best to, to Roman. Maybe I, And for him to get this championship that he has and now have this moment and be the guy on the flagship show, like good for him. Because I, and, and maybe people are being drawn from Sammy because it feels like we're getting some connections with fans that we haven't seen in a couple of years. The way that Sammy was able to connect and still is quite honestly able to connect with fans. Um, you know, the way that Cody Rhodes is able to connect with an audience. And now Seth Rollins also on that list to go along with Roman Reigns and what he does with the bloodline to be able to manipulate an audience and just have that audience go on the ride with you. It's again, it's tip of the cap to to WWE, tip of the cap to Triple H for maybe letting these guys have a little bit of freedom, not be so rigid in everything. And I, I don't know if these moments that we've had, and, and look, I mean, Cody obviously was a Vince guy and, and came in before, but I think the connection that we've seen has been a lot of Triple H influence as well. Kind of just letting these guys be themselves a little bit to be able to connect with the universe. Yeah. You know, LA Knight coming in from, uh, from the NWA pretty much. Yeah. It's still doing the same characters, same, the same thing you did in NWA. Uh, under Vince, does that happen? Maybe, probably, well, obviously not, because he was part of the Maximum Male model. So no, he was not under mm-hmm. Vince at the end. But then when Triple H comes and sees what kind of talent he is, yeah, just be yourself. Get get back to being LA Knight and look at him. Look at the kind of response that he's getting, not just domestically, but overseas. Mm-hmm. Saudi Arabia, like he's over. Was he even on the card? I don't no, know. He wasn't on the he, card. He was there though, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so it was he just, wasn't on the card. But people know who he is, and then he's getting he's getting these baby face responses. So I mean, besides the obvious of MJF and Chris Jericho and and guys that really know how to manipulate the fans, I'm just going to give credit to an LA Knight. I'll give him a, a, a great example because he was doing this in front of 100 people in the NWA, and now he's now people want to do that yeah thing. They want to do that with him. Let me talk to you. It, I mean, people love it. People love it, right? So, and that's the best thing, right? Whether you're a healer, babyface, when you can get the crowd engaged and wanting to listen to what you have to say, that says a lot. It says a lot, and and this is why even in the AEW, there's a lot of young talent that still have to learn how to be able to engage with the audience. I don't care how many times you flip. I don't care how many uh, two and a half counts that you have on these near falls. If you can't get me engaged, you're just a flippy guy or a flippy woman. Well, so and to kind of go back to AEW, I think that's why the opening match last night connected because they had a good promo segment the week before and they mm-hmm. paid it off with a good match and good storytelling within that match for the first half hour of, of Dynamite last night. I think that's part of the reason why that match hit so well versus like, I mean, look, again, I'm, I'm a big Orange Cassidy guy at this point as he continues to be the workhorse, but he's connected with an audience in a different way, mm-hmm. but most of the matches he has aren't, oh, I'm, I'm connecting and telling the story. Part of the, the Orange Cassidy story is he just goes out there and defends the damn thing every week, you know? Like, he doesn't have that emotional connection the way we had last night for MJF and Adam Cole. 
So what's happened to this show over the year plus that you and I can understand the psychology of Orange Cassidy and how he relates to young people, but then our guy Broitz here coming out, coming across like Jim Cornette. Goddamn, <laughs> he's got his hands in his damn pocket. Little my, my little dog pockets. Goddamn, like what happened? Like this should, this should be like Broitz's heavyweight champion. Yeah, I, I would thought he would have been all in on Orange Cassidy, and we can rip him since he's not here this week. But the, the dude, like, and again, like. He's not going to cut. He's not going to go out there and cut a five minute promo for you. But the the way you know the way he stands there last night, as you know, Renee wants to interview him, and he goes, "Well, Renee, this is about the time where somebody comes up and challenges me." Sure enough, you know, here comes Zack Saber Jr. wandering into the screen. You know, and you end up, oh, okay, you want to fight? All right, me, him versus you two next week. Book it, and he's out. Yeah. You know, he's he's got the character he's built he's, he's all the way into the character and it's it's found a way to connect with audiences and again in a different way which is good going back to a point that brian danielson made when he was dan when he was daniel bryan in wwe like the wwe works or professional wrestling works because you have so many people that are different because you have the big show because you have brian you know brian danielson and everything in between yeah you know you you want to have that variety if everybody was the same it would Frankly, it would stink. It would suck. But you can tell different stories with all these different characters. And none of them, to me, are connecting the way Seth Rollins is connecting with fans. We move back over to AEW for number three in the three-count J-Hood. Forbidden Door, as they continue to throw some matches out there, what do you think are some sleeper matches we could potentially see for Forbidden Door coming up, I can't believe it, a week from Sunday? Okay, so you got your computer there to your left? I do. uh, Okay, because, see, here's the problem. Excalibur went through so much that I forgot. <laughs> like I know there's Forbidden Door. I know he's yep. promoting. Uh, he was promoting the next week's Dynamite. He was collision. Like, uh, collision. Okay. So there's some rampage. So I'm gonna need your help. All right. So as of right now, there are only four matches that have been announced: okay. uh, Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay, oh, Brian Danielson versus Okada. Uh, Sonata is going to defend the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. He offered that up last night in an open challenge that is going to be um, that was taken by Jungle Boy, and Jack Perry is going to have Hook in his corner. And then also announced, made official last night, MJF versus Tanahashi. However, MJF threatening not to show up for that match right after uh, Renee told him it was official. Uh, there have been other rumors, such as CM Punk taking on Kenta. I think, obviously, they're going to probably find something to do for um, Blackpool Combat Club, the Elites. There, there are still a lot more pieces of this puzzle that need to be filled in, starting probably with tomorrow night on Rampage, Collision, and then they got to fill out the card by Wednesday. At the latest, I would think. I thought it was very curious that Jungle Boy got that championship opportunity against Sonata. I'm like, so did you just throw Jungle Boy to the Wolves because someone's got to take the pinfall? Because there's a lot more talented guys in that locker room than Jungle Boy for the IWGP championship, isn't it? Who? Well, so I think... If there's going to be a pillar that ends MJF's reign, I have always been of the belief that is going to be Jungle Boy because he just kind of seems to be the most baby facey, the closest to, to being over between the three of them. And maybe part of that is because of the song and everybody likes waving their hands and, and singing along to it. But I feel like he was going to be the one. So if you want to keep him elevated and want to keep him in mind to be a potential challenger to MJF once again, then you end up throwing him the picture versus, I don't know, who, who would you rather see? I mean, it's a long list of people here like just not him like I, <laughs> i'm looking at this roster there's so many people that could be on the show but it's jungle boy I, i'm just surprised because as i mentioned to you in that pillars match that four corners pillar match that they had i thought jungle boy was the least of them mm-hmm. because it's not because of his in ring it's never because of his in ring it's just that the way he came across on the mic yep. the pre-tape stuff Okay, pretty good. That matchup against Christian that he had in the pay-per-view, like, hey, that's pretty good. Like, it's good stuff. A lot of that stuff was pre-taped, though, and it thought was good. I just think that will it be a good match? Yeah, Sonata will take him through. I think that's fine. I just thought that, you know, there would be somebody else in it, one of the veterans that would have an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, uh, maybe. I mean, because you still have to find something to do with Jericho. Um 
I don't know if that would have been a spot for Claudio potentially since he's a former ROH champion. Yeah. You know, where 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 you kind of reward one of those guys. But at the same time, I really think they want to build up Jungle Boy. I, I would agree that I think he has more growth to do. And if you have to take off the championship of MJF because he's actually going to be a free agent. Again, I don't know if that storyline, if he signed an extension, they've done a good job of kind of blurring that line. But if at some point you get to the end of the year and you have to take it off of MJF, I don't, I don't know if jungle boy is going to be ready by then. He's, he is still so young. You know, he, he started with the company was what, 19, 20 years old. He's only 20, 23, 24 right now. He's still an incredibly young wrestler that has a lot to do in terms of growing. And he's already been a tag team champion. He's, I think he'll be a world champion eventually, but you know, and again, I'm probably contradicting myself. I, I don't know if he has it to be the one to take it off of MJF, even if that's what AEW, excuse me, wants. Well, I just, I just look at him and I think, okay, apparently he's going through his heel run here because I, I'm thinking that there's going to be a turn here where Jungle Boy goes after Hook. I don't know, now, who comes out on top of that? Does Hook get his first loss? <laughs> like uh, they're attacking now, but Jungle Boy, you could keep seeing the hints, right? Mm-hmm. There's going to be a, and it's like, well, how will the audience fa- feel with him turning heel? Because uh, clearly, Sammy's a babyface, based on what we saw on Dynamite. Well, uh, he's going to be a babyface because he's tagging with Jericho next week, and my guess is you'll have the big blow off between those two there. Yeah, amazing how a child makes you a babyface. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe because anything he said or did, he's still a prick. He's a prick with the kid now, so he's got to you know leave some of that prickishness behind. That's the thing. But there's the thing about wrestling, which is so weird, right? That turned him babyface. No one's booing him with a baby, unless he had like what if what if right? This is what happened in the eighties for sure. What if Dom and Rhea Ripley announced they having a baby? Would Dom still be able to get those boos from WWE? Absolutely. Or nuclear heat because he's having a baby with Rhea Ripley? Yeah. How dare oh. you? How dare you ruin Rhea Ripley for us? How <laughs> dare you? How dare you, Dom? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure they could find different different ways to. You know, they would. You know, they would love Rhea for it just because they love Rhea for everything, and they still hate Dom, which is just a fantastic dynamic, which I love I, every time they come out together. Uh, so I'll give you some names that I'd like to see in Forbidden Door. Like, where does Daniel Garcia fit in all this? He keeps okay. me on my TV, but is he going to do anything? Uh, I mean, probably. I mean, like at some point, I get, uh, how many? Okay, I'm going to look at the. I'm going to look this up right now. How many for? Uh, how many they had last year on the card? So last year on the card for Forbidden Door. There were 13 matches, four of which ended up being on the pre-show. What's Mox um, doing? Where, where's your guy Mox? Is he in this show? Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like, So if they had 13 matches last year, again, four on the pre-show, they have a long way to go. They have nine more matches to book, and I'm guessing you're going to see a lot more multi-tag matches, just tag matches, six-man, eight-man tags to get more people involved. It's what they did last year. My guess is you'll get something with the BCC in a trios match, maybe something with the elite in, it in a tag team match. Um, maybe Hangman gets left off. I- I'm not sure. But the-, the problem is they've got this big roster, and I'm sure a lot of them would love to have some of these dream matches to see him punk wrestle right away at Forbidden Door. You know, that there have been rumors about him and Kenta. Who knows if that ends up happening? I don't like I I haven't seen like my fair share of Sonata matches, but I'm thinking like a wrestler of his caliber against Malachi Black mm-hmm. to catch it. We talked about him earlier. I mean, there's some names you mentioned. They still got to fill out the car, but I was just I found that choice curious. But I guess the to answer the question, I mean, the the one for sure that you mentioned, it was the beginning. You're talking about uh, Osprey. That mm-hmm. matchup against Kenny Omega. I mean, you can see that they're building it. I mean, the way that show ended, that Dynamite show, holy cow. Like, they had like, they have a death wish against each other. Like, they're trying to – I mean, that was uh, serious because I'm thinking show's over. And then another shot to the back of the neck. Enough! <laughs> Enough already! Oh, Eddie's back. Sweet. Oh, shit, there's Will Ospreay. <laughs> oh, like Eddie, Eddie's already been forgotten about. We already forgot him. Poor Eddie, we already forgot about him because Ospreay came out to give a super kick to Kenny. Like, yeah. that's got to be the main event, right? Like, because... And here's why I say that has to be the main event, J-Hood. Mm-hmm. Yes, you do have an IWGP championship match in there. I, and the MJF match, I do not believe is a championship match. I think it's just, you know, MJF wrestling. Mm-hmm. You can't ask anyone to go on after whatever Omega and Osprey do. 
can't just can't. Yeah, that is um, the conventional wisdom from a lot of wrestling fans that that is going to be the best match on the card. And I know that there might be some feelings hurt, the guys that are champion that feel like that they should be on last, but they really shouldn't. They shouldn't have their feelings hurt. Look, you're going to be on a card that everyone's going to watch. The Toronto fans, because it's a it's a great town, they are going to love these matches. They're going to be classics. So, but I think that Kenny Omega and Osprey. Um, in any major arena in the world, it could be the main event. It's just that good. Well, speaking of some of those um, matches, one of those that I just mentioned, we'll lead off news and notes here, Jay hood CM Punk versus Kenta. It's been something that's been rumored um, that this could happen. You know, GTS versus GTS. Well, right. maybe it doesn't end up happening um, as, as there's rumors about an ESPN interview that CM Punk did that apparently could piss some more people off and blur the lines of whether he's shooting, whether it's a work. Um, so we could have more CM Punk drama before Collision even debuts on Saturday night. Well, tell us about it. What do you have a, a blurb? Do you have a, what are your thoughts on what? Yeah. You so you had sent this to me earlier. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so this from PW Torch, Wade Keller on PW Torch was the, said he was under the impression between now and Saturday, there's going to be something that comes out media wise that's not going to help matters probably. Um, so now a lot of facets saying there's an ESPN interview that's supposed to drop sometime soon where Punk is talking about a number of topics. Among those topics, the elites. And word got back to several on the roster from yesterday that uh, based on what they heard, it didn't go over well with them, which it's just par for the course at this time with CM Punk, man. Like, I guess I I am going to reserve judgment to see if the piece comes out, what's actually in the piece before I judge it. But I don't know if he's just trying to drum up excitement, but we did get to see CM Punk in at least a video package last night on Dynamite leading into Collision for the first time. Shaving a haircut for CM Punk. <laughs> like saw that. I noticed that. You could tell they're still trying to sell some more tickets because we were asking, where's the video package? And there he was. And but okay, so a couple questions with this. So one thing for sure, and again, saw some fightful, saw this from a couple places. So uh they were said they were told that Punk quote wasn't thrilled with working with Kenta and may come across badly in an interview. That's one thing. And the other thing is is that you know, with CM Punk, all right, so he says that he's got some things he wants to get off his chest. Does he start off Collision talking first? Yeah, yeah. I think Collision. At the end of the night? Yep, Collisions, you have to start tomorrow. You're going to hear the, the static, and then you're going to hear the guitar riff for Cult of Personality, and Punk's coming out with a microphone. Okay. So because so- here's the thing, yeah, they they want to draw people in. Yes, they want people to stick around for the main events. Punk with a microphone is what's going to get people to stick around. That's what people really want. Like, do people really want to see CM Punk in a six man tag? Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, but what people really want is CM Punk with a microphone in the middle of that ring inside the United Center. Okay, I, I I'm um I'm concerned because. Yes, he's going to say some stuff, but if nothing is squashed in the back, like and the only reason why that he'd be back and the Young Bucks will be back and, and, and Paige will be back is because everything has been squashed. If there's still lingering issues between CM Punk and those parties from the, all, from the brawl out and Tony Khan, then Tony Khan is as bad as I think he is. As as, because it's one then, thing. Say, then I'm, all all of the good booking and praise we were heaping on him at the beginning of the show just kind of yeah. goes away. Yeah, I mean, well, look, look. Let's just let's just put it out there. He's very bad at being able to tell talent, hey, let's not go there. MJF rips the company. He's your heavyweight champion, rips the company. So to the average fan, it's like, well, I guess AEW sucks because the champion says he sucks. Some people are not in on the joke, Gabe. That's the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. We understand that that MJF is working, uh, but ultimately he said the war of 2024, because this place bores me. Oh, I'm an average fan. The champion says that this is bored. It is boring. Click. I'll go over to WWE. Yeah, I mean, you just can't do that. How about you or me get on the radio and just say, this morning show that we're doing, I'm pretty much bored. Nah. I, need some, I need some talent. I'm mailing it in. Yeah, I need some more guests. I'm bored around here. This whole Packers talk, this whole Bears talk that we do every morning, I'm bored around here. Hey, Hey, Craig Carmazon, give me some talent around here. 
How do you think that'll go? Not well. Right? But he could do that. But then he's doing that in front of the press and press conferences. And some people love it, but that's a niche thing, though, man. You're not doing that in WWE. It's only because those people are taught to be professionals. Mm -hmm. So I'm just, I'm, you know, and then CM Punk, just remember, because I just, I just saw an interview with Eric Bischoff with Ariel Hawani. He said, there's no way in hell when he was running WCW that he could sit next to the, the champion eating pastries and cutting down the company. There's, he goes, there's no way. He's, I can't do business with a guy like that. Here, I, I don't agree with a lot of what Bischoff says, but he's right about that. But Tony Khan, because he's a wrestling fan, he thinks it's okay. Well, is it really resonating with the talent? We're going to find out. Is it resonating with the audience at, at large? We'll find out, won't we? We will find out. You mentioned... Things have to be squashed at least a little bit with the Elite Fightful Select reporting that while they have not signed contracts, the Elite is coming close to signing contract extensions with AEW. The Elite, of course, being Hagman Adam Page, the Young Bucks, and Kenny Omega. Um, also saying that WWE certainly would be interested in signing all four. However, based on the time that's probably left on the contracts, WWE is not even going to get an opportunity to talk with those four. So it looks like those four are going to be sticking around, which makes sense and is, I think, good. It's, it's a great sign for AEW. Had they lost even any... Uh, you could you could lose um, Hangman Adam Page, yeah, and I'd be okay with it. But if you were to lose another one of your founding members of the company and they jump ship to WWE, it would just be a bad look. It probably would have happened already or we would have heard rumor about it if there wasn't a hiring freeze in WWE. Mm-hmm. When's, the, when's the last time that they hired a, t- a talent uh, from the indies? It's yeah, a long time. they would. I mean, my guess is they would make an exception if if Kenny Omega became actually available. They would they would do that because they know how much that would hurt AEW. Uh, and then finally, uh, going jumping on a barstool wrestling podcast, Tony Khan saying that yes, he's going to feature certain talents on. Uh, on Collision, going to uh, feature certain talents on Dynamite, but there's not going to be a hard brand split the way we see in WWE. By the way, they missed on Jay White, didn't they? WWE? And mm-hmm. Triple H wanted them. Yep. There's, there's a hiring freeze. Just going back to our last thing, there's a hiring freeze that's going on there because they could have got Juice Robinson and Jay White. It's the highest thing off of New Japan. They would have been able to work well in WWE, but that's not the case. Um, the other, the other, there was one other note, or two notes. Battle of the Belts is still a thing. You believe? I know. Why? Crazy, right? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Tony Khan said Why? in a recent interview that it, that's still going to be a thing, and I'm like, where's that going to fit? It's not on Saturdays anymore. Sunday nights, Sunday afternoons at four o'clock central. <laughs> that's 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 one thing. Uh, and the other thing, the news that we knew about this week is is that time is running out on the television deal for WWE. Will they still oh, be, yes. Will FX. They still be with, uh, with USA and Fox, or will FX be involved? Now, Disney I'm, Disney seems to be interested and wants to get into the WWE business, not necessarily for ESPN, but for FX, which they do now own. Okay, I'm, I'm like two days, year old, two, two days old realizing that FX is owned by Disney. And yeah. I'm like, the stuff they put on there, really? Does Disney know what's on FX? <laughs> <laughs> some of the raunchy stuff. How about an FXX? I mean, some of the stuff they put on there, wow. Okay, so... That's something, though, Gabe, we got to keep our eyes on. If, mm-hmm. if USA Network loses WWE, USA might as well fold because the Chrisleys are in jail. So that's not going to happen, right? <laughs> but ESPN getting in the, into the business, ESPN cannot carry Monday Night Raw or SmackDown. They don't have the bandwidth for it. Mm-hmm. So, so FX would be a good, interesting spot for them. FX actually has more, more homes. People can watch more yeah. than you can USA, I think. Yeah, and and again, if you have that partnership with Disney, that leads, again, I think to great things and different unique opportunities that you could probably put things on ESPN+. Plus. You could put things on, you know, have documentary series that run as 30 for 30s or on ESPN or all those different things. A lot of different options there as well. What do you have this week? Match of the week. Match of the week. Uh, well, I mean, it, it really is a great matchup. Um, between Adam Cole and MJF. Mm-hmm. I, 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 unlike you, I'm not happy with the finish because the finish felt WWE to me. Uh, they didn't want to tell the audience in DC, which was a hot crowd, by the way. Shout out to DC. Great crowd. Uh, A-Town, without question. Uh, didn't tell the crowd there was five minutes left. Uh, something happened to yeah. Jason, Jason Roberts' mic went out. I don't know what happened. No no 30 seconds, no one minute. You typically, get- they do that. They typically they give you the heads yeah. up. Typically, oh, typically, yeah, that's a WWE finish. 
That's what that was because they don't give time limits in WWE. Mm-hmm. I was told yesterday, like, oh, hoodie, you know, there was a 20 minutes uh, time limit. I didn't hear that from Justin Roberts. They, he said he, they, someone told me they gave a 20 minute time limit uh, call from Justin, and I didn't hear that. Well, All so was, go ahead. They, they, I mean, he introduces every match with the time limit. One fall every, Yep. So whenever somebody's coming, you know, hey, your first bout of the night with a 20 minute time limit or a 30 minute time limit, as in last night's case. So he did throw that out there, but there was no countdown. Like you said, there was no. And I feel like when they've done Brian Danielson once before, you've gotten their five minutes remaining in the match. You know, I feel like you get that countdown. Typically, you did not get that last night. Miz against Cody was a sleeper. Miz is, is living his best life. Miz yeah. is giving you, he's losing all he's losing all these matches, but he's giving you a lot more. Uh, Damien, so Cole and MJF's one, but two for me is Priest and Riddle. What Priest, and Riddle Priest and Riddle was fantastic. Priest and Riddle was great. I was in on that. I was also in on um, Escobar versus um, Mustafa Ali from SmackDown, which was another uh, qualifying match. I thought that was the best match on SmackDown just because the, the main event, again, was pretty schmozzy, as is the case when it comes to uh, bloodline matches. Yes. Um, but I, I really thought that uh, Santos Escobar versus um, – Mustafa Ali was really good from SmackDown. Uh, and, of course, the main event, the, the BCC against the Hung Bucks uh, from Dynamite. But I thought, again, both shows, the main shows, Raw and Dynamite, uh, they delivered. That's mm-hmm. this is what a war looks like. You put your best against your best. You, get a world, you have a, a non-title heavyweight championship uh, opportunity on Dynamite, your first 30 minutes. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it was it was a great week for professional wrestling, and I think we're gonna have plenty of things to talk about next week. We're gonna have the delision, the the uh, we're gonna have collision debuting. We're then going to be previewing Forbidden Door. That's all gonna be coming up next week. Collision Friday. I mean, Hood Chicago. It's gonna be the hotbed of professional wrestling for the next couple of days with CM Punk debuting, and of course, Dynamite's gonna be there on Wednesday night as well. Uh, again, if you're joining us late, go back, listen to Miro wherever you get your podcasts. Highly, highly recommend catching a Miro before Collision on Saturday. Catch us again next week. Ryan Roach will be back right here on GKN.